Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. I hope your Sunday is going well and that this kind of sets your week in a better position. And so I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So I do appreciate you listening and telling your friends about it and all your comments on uh, Facebook, on all the different mediums that we have on online. And I really appreciate all of that and you telling your friends about this. So thank you for doing that. Today, I want to talk about this topic and I have entitled it as How much does your pleasure cost others? So think about that. How much does your pleasure cost others? You know, and and I just thought of this as I was driving in because I was listening to some of the news all about politics, and I thought, wow, how is this so apropos for today? How much, you know, does the pleasure that Washington is doing how much does it cost us? Now, I'm not a political person in this way. I'm not one of those. You know, we have all of them at the show here that you could listen to KPXQ. You could listen to Salem. You could listen. They do lots of things on politics. And so I'm not talking about politics, but I do want us to recognize how much do other people's pleasure cost us? And are you willing to pursue virtue? See, pleasure has a price. Doesn't mean it's not worth it sometimes, but it costs. Many times the pleasure we're indulging in is an attempt to mitigate pain. The problem is the price of pleasure oftentimes brings more and more pain and a different kind of pain. See, good character understands and respects the price of pleasure. So good character qualities actually produce emotional, intellectual, spiritual, relational, physical currency. So when my character, when I'm practicing good character, I produce really helpful and healthy emotional spaces. Intellectually, I think differently. Spiritually and relationally, I'm different. And I use my physical body, that physical currency, 
differently. So the price of, think of it like this, the price of an addiction to self, to others, versus the invested cost and subsequent revenue from sobriety. So let me say that again. The price of an addiction to self, to others, versus the invested cost and the subsequent revenue from sobriety. How much is your pleasure costing you? Those who care and love you, your community and society. See, pain is real. Pain management, when done morally, is the best antidote and possible cure for pain of the living, you know, in this world. Pleasure, however, most often masquerades as giving you positive feelings. It seems to give you rest and relaxation and fun, but it doesn't really last, and it always has a price. So think about this. The best way to bring out the best in your partner, your friend, your children, coworkers, is be a person they would aspire to be. Be a good partner, a good friend, a good parent, a good neighbor, be a good employee, and especially be a really good confidant, even if they're not. See, this is what God does for us. We have a perfect partner in God, which none of us deserves. And thank God for the people who partner with you. So think about this. You know, th- this, this whole idea of pursuing pleasure, it's a very dangerous road. It doesn't mean that I don't think we should have pleasurable moments, even pleasurable vacations, for heaven's sakes. But we can't let pleasure be the only thing that we are pursuing. It becomes like quicksand. It's a slow burn, right? And so the best way to bring out the best in your partner, maybe your friends, maybe your children or coworkers, and yourself is to be the person that they would aspire to be. Okay, so think about who would they be aspiring to be like? Well, be that person. Be a good partner. Be a good friend. Be a good parent. How about being a good neighbor, right? We all had, you know, all those shows when we were growing up about being a good neighbor, right? Well, it does wonders for the community, How about being a good employee and especially a good confidant? When I think about the people that come to see me on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, monthly, over all the years, many times I might not see people for five years and then they show up. Well, I'm a good confidant and I'm a safe person for them. So even when they're not, see, this is how God does it for us. Even if we're not good, even if we're not managing our life, he is still good. So we have a perfect partner in God, which of course none of us deserves. So thank God for the people who partner with you. And so make sure that you're a good partner in whatever it is that you do, whether it be you're the, you're the person that they call when they want to have fun that's a good partner. You're the person that they call if they're having a hard time. That's a good partner. Whatever it may be, you want to say to yourself, I want to be someone that people can trust, especially in this world that we have today. See, when I was growing up, 
I kind of assumed that everybody told the truth because nationally, as a nation, we kind of all agreed on certain virtues. And people that weren't virtuous got consequences. So we were taught very early on that there are consequences if you're not a good person. Unfortunately, we don't have that same world. But I want you to ask yourself, all right, the best way to bring out the best in your partner, your friend, your children, coworkers, is be the person they would aspire to be. Be a good partner, a good friend, good parent, even if they're not. This is what God does for us. So we have this perfect partner in God. And we know that none of us deserve it. So thank God for the people who partner with you. So ask yourself, are you um, a deductor or are you, a, or are you a depositor? Now, recognize we all deduct from the people around us at different times. But are we also willing to be someone that deposits? So I may be very willing to deduct things because I need it and I justify to myself how much I need it. But am I actually a depositor when it comes to families and friends and coworkers, you know, even just my community? So think about, do you take energy or do you give energy to people around you? Do people have to recover from being with you? I mean, really think about that. Why do you think I have a job, right? And I don't mean that sarcastically. It's tough being humans. But I want you to think about, you know, do you have to recover when, from being with someone like you? Do people have to recover from being with you? And what do you do to help them recover from the harshness of this world? So let's say you mess up. Let's say you do something stupid. You hurt their feelings. Well, are you virtuous enough to own it? And to say, hey, is there a way that I can, I can make this back up to you? I don't like how I handled that. I'm not, I don't know what I was thinking. I shouldn't have done it. I really would like you to forgive me for it. If there's something I can do to make it better, please let me know. And really stand up and be that kind of a person. So... When you think about this, I want you to say, you know, do you come to the event or party with nothing? Do you just show up and think that showing up is good enough? Only expecting to be entertained, given party favors, having a good time, being honored? You know, or, or do you think about, hey, how can I make this party better for the people that are here? God knows that we need some fun. <laughs> we need some good feelings, some positive interaction with people. So one of the things that we want to think about is, what do I bring to the event? Do I bring honor so that I honor people? I say, hey, it's good to see you. I hear good things about you. Or wow, you have really overcome that. Whatever that might be. Do I, do I come with energy instead of just thinking that I need to be entertained? Do I bring gifts, rewards, whatever that is? How about positive emotion? You know, I, I don't want to come to a party and be a gloomy Gus, right? So do I bring positivity with me, even if I'm struggling? So let's think about this. I want you to recognize, am I a deductor or am I a depositor? And am I willing to pursue virtue? 
Because virtue is the opposite of pleasure in many ways. And virtue takes effort. Being a virtuous person takes commitment, takes effort, takes self-discipline. But you know what? You feel better all the time. And it makes life work much better. You have a lot less problems because you're not upsetting and ticking everybody off every time you show up. And so think about the rewards that you get if you're just a decent person. Decent. Be decent. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of how much does the pleasure you imbibe in, how much does it really cost you? Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I want to make sure, as always, that I tell you to take advantage of the website and all the different things we have on social media, just to really help encourage you through your day and and really help you to aspire to be the best version of you. And so today we're talking about this idea of how much does your pleasure cost others? Now, see, we talk a lot about maybe how much pleasure costs you, like how much are you indulging in your life to feel better. But I want you to think about this. How much does your pleasure cost other people? So maybe some of your pleasure is not getting rid of your own bad mood. So you're in a bad mood, and it feels better to just be in a bad mood. Well, how much does that cost the people around you, right? So think of it like this. Are you willing to pursue virtue? And see, we talked in this first segment about the fact that pleasure does have a price. Doesn't mean it's not worth it sometimes, but it does cost. And many times the pleasure we're indulging in is an attempt to maybe mitigate pain, right? But the problem is the price of pleasure oftentimes brings more pain or a different kind of pain. So what we're kind of talking about today is, are you willing to pursue virtue, being a virtuous person? Because what we find is that good character understands and respects the price of pleasure. And good character qualities actually produce emotional, intellectual, spiritual, relational, and physical currency. And for for an example, the price of an addiction So the person that has an addiction, it costs them. Well, it costs others as well versus the invested cost and subsequent revenue from sobriety. So it matters. So we want to think about what's the best way to bring out good things in my partner and friends and children, coworkers. How can I be a person that they would aspire to be? Being a good parent, a good friend. How about a good confidant? See, even when they're not, am I going to keep hold of my virtues, my rules for me? And so we want to think about this. Are you a deductor or a depositor? And in the last segment, that's kind of where we ended. Do you deduct a lot more than you deposit into other people? Or do you expect people to constantly be filling you up? Do you take energy or do you give energy? 
How about this? Do people have to recover from being with you? And what do you do to help them recover from the harshness of the world or from the harshness of your world, right? So think about this. Do you come to the event, the party or something with nothing, only expecting to be entertained, given party favors, having a good time, being honored? So you walk in thinking that this is all about me and I'm supposed to be the one that's like, wow, I'm having such a great time. Or what, you know, what do you bring, you know, to the event? Do you maybe bring honor? Do you bring energy? Do you bring gifts, rewards, right? And, and I'll tell you the truth. There are times when I have declined going out with friends. And a lot of it was because I wanted to honor them in a different way than what they maybe felt honored by. And that's that I was in no space to be there with them. I would be a downer and I would know it. And I didn't want to deduct from the event. Now, that doesn't mean that I just was lazy. It means that maybe the day or, or the couple days before the event, I was really working on getting it together so I could be there for these people. Maybe, and, and maybe then I got sick. Maybe I had a migraine. Maybe I was just exhausted. But at some point, I have to recognize that I affect other people. So I can politely and kindly say, I need to decline. I really want you all to have a good time. I'm going to be praying for you to have a great time. I'm, I can't wait to hear about the time you have, but I just cannot come. I'm not in the right space to do it. I just can't do it. So this is part of how I make sure that I honor those people and don't be one of those just continual deductors. So many of us are going to, you know, get to heaven because we know Jesus. But at the great feast, we might have nothing to offer him. In other words, we show up at the party naked and expecting something in return. See, what you do matters. And not just down here, but for eternity. Think about how you leave people. Do you only think about how they affected you? Were you cognizant and mature enough to consider, how did I affect them? It's kind of like an aroma. If you think about an aroma, like you walk into a restaurant, it's like, wow, this is going to be a great meal. This smells so good in here. Or you walk in and you think, uh-oh, something's not right. This does not smell good at all. In fact, I think I, I just need to leave. So when you think about that, you have an aroma of your own. So are people like excited to have you come? Are they glad that you showed up? Is your aroma something that is sweet, kind, nice, you know, laughing, joyful? Or is the aroma that you bring one of a downer, right? And you expect everyone to give you good feelings because you're not generating your own positive feelings. So think about how you leave people. What do they feel like after you leave? And, you know, I, I don't know if you've experienced this before, but I've entertained people and interacted with different people. And at the moment, I was having a really good time. And I enjoyed maybe some of the, the banter, some of the, you know, conversation, the storytelling, these kinds of things. But after I left the party, I was like, I don't think I like that person. <laughs> and so it's this strange, like, the aroma after the fact is not so good. 
But then there are other people that I interact with, and it might even be a little difficult sometimes. Maybe they challenged me a little bit. But the after effect was positive. I think, you know, I like that person. I want to, I want to interact with that person again. And so a lot of times we don't really figure it out until after. And this is what I want you to think about. One small gesture of kindness, one smile, one act of courtesy can overcome the most terrible insult and offenses the other person may have had to endure in their day. It really doesn't take a lot. Think about it, just a smile. How refreshing it is when someone lets you take a parking place, opens the door for you, smiles and says thank you, even forgives you being discourteous. So I want to challenge you. Does your presence bring peace? Does your presence bring positive energy? Are you someone that people want to have around because of how they feel when they're with you? And I'm not wanting you to be fake. I'm not wanting you to, like, <clears throat> I don't know, be, be some ab reaction of yourself. What I want you to do is I want you to be confident about you, and I want you to be taking care of you so you have something to give so that your presence is not costing them because you're needing to have so much put into you. I want you to be the person that people say, wow, I always feel better when they come. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about the idea of does your presence bring peace? Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. And we are in the, the second half of the show here today. So if you haven't been listening until now, you can always go to your favorite podcast server, look up Conversations with Cynthia, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. So we were talking today about how much does your pleasure cost others? And this is not something we think about. We many times will say, how much does that pleasure cost me, right? But we want to think about how much does my pleasure cost others? How much am I requiring them to make me feel good? How often do I consider, wow, what can I do for them and help them to feel better? So that when I say goodbye, they feel better even, even though I'm gone. They say, wow, that was nice talking to her. I feel a lot better, actually. I want to talk to her again, maybe. And so this is what we want to think about. And we've talked on this show about the aroma that we may leave. And I'm sure you've had this experience where you thought you were having this great time with someone. And it might be a little sketchy, but, you know, you're having a good time. And then they leave, and you're left, and you're thinking... I don't think I like that person. Wow. And so this is what we want to talk about. What are you bringing when you show up? And how much is your desire to have fun or feel good about yourself? How much is it costing others? So are you a deductor or are you a depositor? Do you bring positive emotion? 
See, many of us will get to heaven because we know Jesus. But maybe at the great feast, we will have nothing to offer. In other words, we show up at the party naked and expecting, right? So what you do matters. And not just down here, but for eternity. Think about how you leave people. Do you only think about how they affect you? Were you cognizant and mature enough to consider how you affect them? See, one small gesture of kindness, one smile, an act of courtesy can overcome the most terrible insult and offenses the other person may have had to endure in their day. It really doesn't take a lot. Think about it. How refreshing is it when someone lets you take a parking place, opens the door for you, smiles, says thank you. So I want you to think about, does your presence bring peace? And we left off in the last segment with that. Does your presence bring peace? Does it bring joy? Does it bring comfort? Does it bring relaxation? And so I, I love to read Jesus Calling. And, and on March 1st of 2020, this was the Proverbs that Jesus Calling had. And it says, the amount of words spoken every second is so in so many different languages. What are they building? What are they destroying? What are they erecting or dis- dissecting? What are they creating or deceiving? How much truth and how many lies? What is being said that should not be said? And what is not being said that should be said? See, remind yourself, God spoke the world into existence. Our words matter. On Judgment Day, the quote, Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. It may only be acknowledging your belief in Christ. And it will be a sad moment if all you have to offer Jesus is that you believed in him. But you did nothing with your belief. It was never put into action. There was never any sacrifice. There were no deeds. Just an acceptance of him living in your heart, but no evidence that the world would report. This is important for us to remember, especially in this time, especially this time in history, what we have going on in the world and how small the world feels now, and what we can do one person at a time. And so I want you to think about this, that if you are purporting to be a Christian, there's more to it than just believing in Christ. It has to be action. And it doesn't have to be big actions. It can be very small, very simple. But these little courtesies go so far for anyone that's experienced them. Because this world is a very harsh place. It just is. And so we can really remind ourselves that the amount of words that we speak in so many different languages, what are we building? What are we saying with our words? Do we actually think about what we're saying? Or does it just come out of our mouth and then we ignore, we think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And you just move on to the next moment and blunder again, right? Why are we not thinking and being delicate with our words? They matter. People can remember words I said to them 10 years ago. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in this last segment as we talk more about this idea of how much does your pleasure cost others. 
Well, good afternoon, and welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining in today, and also thank you so much for letting your friends know about the show and encouraging them to listen to it. We have lots on social media available for you as well, and I really appreciate that you let people know about the show. And so today, we are talking about how much does your pleasure cost others? See, we typically only really think about how much does our pleasure cost us, like how much do I have to pay to have the feeling that I want to have or the experience that I want to have, right? And we rarely think about how much does my pleasure or my pleasure seeking cost others? So the question is, are you willing to pursue virtue? Are you willing to be a virtuous person? Because pleasure has a price. And it doesn't mean it's not worth it sometimes, but it does cost. And many times the pleasure we're indulging in is an attempt to mitigate pain. The problem is the price of pleasures oftentimes bring more pain or a different kind of pain. So good character, if you have good character, you understand and respect the price of pleasure. See, good character qualities actually produce emotional, intellectual, spiritual, relational, and physical currency. Think about the price of an addiction to the person and to others versus the invested cost and subsequent revenue from sobriety. So I want you to say to yourself, am I a deductor for the most part? Am I always wanting to have an experience and wanting someone to give me a good experience? Or do I really practice being a good depositor? That I'm trying to deposit into people good experiences, good, good words, you know, being polite, being kind, being gracious, knowing how hard the world is, having no idea what their day has been like, what their month has been like, or what they're facing in the next couple of minutes. So ask yourself, do you take energy or do you give energy? Do people have to recover from being with you? Are you harsher, actually, than the world is? So do you come to the event or the party with nothing but expect to be entertained? What do you bring to this world? Do you bring honor? Do you bring energy? Do you bring patience, kindness, forgiveness? See, many of us, like we said in the, in the other segment, are going to get to heaven because we know Jesus. But at the great feast, we will have nothing to offer. In other words, we show up at the party naked and still expecting, right? So what you do matters. Not just because you're on earth and you're alive. It matters for eternity. Think about how you leave people. Think about how that you affect them. Were you cognizant and mature enough to consider how you affect them? So we talked in the last segment about this challenge. Does your presence bring peace? Now, I want you to understand that I can bring peace with me even if I have to confront someone. I can still have it feel peaceful. Maybe not comfortable. Maybe not happy. They might not feel really good in the moment. But they can still feel peace. See, God is the God that says he gives peace, peace that passes all understanding. 
So what we want to think about, I love this uh, this verse, this chapter, actually. It's 2 Timothy 3, 3 um, and it's, it's the verses 1 through 5, and it says this. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, friends, employers. They'll be ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Wow. Wow. Swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Now, sadly, some of these are in our church, right? They purport to be Christians. And God is saying, avoid such people. So it reminded me of this beautiful poem that I have memorized years, years ago. And this is what it says. It says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way and left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and ne'er a word said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. I'm going to read that one more time because it's very deep and it's very poignant and it really is helpful for us to recognize what are we actually pursuing? Just pursuing good feelings? Pursuing laughter? Pursuing what? I don't know, safety? Or are we really pursuing virtue? So let's do this, this um, poem one more time. It says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. In other words, for moral virtue or excellence is it's closely concerned with pleasure and pain. It is pleasure that moves us to do what is base and pain that moves us to refrain from what is noble. And see, this is what happens. Pain gets in the way of us doing what we know we should do. Pleasure has this way of giving us an excuse to want to feel good and not deal with pain. See, pain moves us many times to be noble. And therefore, this is from Plato, he says, man needs to be so trained from his youth, from his youth up as to find pleasure and pain in the right objects. So Plato says again, man needs to be so trained from his youth as to find pleasure and pain in the right objects. See, virtue in various ways is concerned with pleasure and pain. The pleasure or pain that accompanies acts must be taken as a test of the formed habit or character. 
Think about that. How do I manage pleasure? How do I manage pain? And unfortunately, what we find is that many times pain reveals very well who a person is. Pain can always also be one of the greatest change agents and causes to be more noble. And so he who abstains from pleasures of the body and rejoices in the abstinence is what we would call a temperate person. While he who's vexed at having to abstain, he doesn't like to have to abstain, what happens is without pain, we can't be courageous. And that's what happens is that person that refuses to deal with pain turns into being a coward. The moral virtue or excellence is closely concerned with pleasure and pain. It's pleasure that moves us to do what is base. See, the more pleasure we feel, the more we want to do it. And it doesn't even mean we have to sacrifice anything. So Plato says that man needs to be trained from his youth to find pleasure and pain in the right objects. So another reason why virtue has to do with pleasure and pain is that it has to do with the actions and passions or affections. See, every affection and every act is accompanied by pleasure or pain. Until we get to heaven, we will always be dealing with pleasure and pain. How much pleasure and what it does to our soul? Does, does all the pleasure that we're having cause us to be more base? causing us to to have lower morals? Or is God saying, man, maybe you need a little bit more pain. I want you to be more noble. And so the fact is, and it's further attested by employment, okay, a pleasure and pain in correction. They have a kind of, you know, curative property. And so the cure is affected by administering the opposite of the disease. And that is so frustrating for us many times that we're getting a, an antidote that is more painful than maybe the disease that we're fighting. And so again, every type of character or habit is essentially relative and concerned with those things that form whether it's going to be good or evil. But it's through pleasure and pain that bad character is formed. That is to say, I can be the person that becomes more base because of pain. And so I'm seeking pleasure above all else. Or I can be the person that learns to manage pain and not have to always have it feel pleasurable that I can manage pain and I actually become better at dealing with pain so I don't use avarice or any other type of, of, of character quality that would cause me to be a worse person because of the pain. So this is where we have to recognize how does, how does your pleasure cost you? What does it cost you? Are you willing to do the hard work to have good feelings more often than not versus chasing a feeling that does not endure and often has a very high price tag? So are you willing to do the hard work to get those good feelings? Virtue ethics suggest treating our character as a lifelong project, one that has the capacity to truly change who we are. See, the goal is not to form virtues that mean we act ethically without thinking, but to form virtues 
that help us see the world clearly and make better judgments as a result. So let me say that again. When we think about virtue ethics and really treating our character as a lifelong project, one that has the capacity to truly change who we are, to be the person that God has actually called us to be and designed us to be when he thought us up and created us. See, the goal is not to form virtues that mean we act ethically without thinking, like we do it because it's the right thing. But we want to form virtues that help us see the world clearly, and we then make better judgments as a result, whether that be about our character, whether it be about our lifestyle, whether it be about uh, judging another person or judging a, a company or a church or a family or a concept that what we want to be doing here is to see the world clearly and still have the virtue of love that God has for his own world, so much so that we know he died for it. That's the virtue that we want to be searching for. And we want to be that person that is a safe person, not because we're nice all the time. My clients think I'm a very safe person, but I'm not always nice. Because nice sometimes isn't what they need. I'm never cruel. I'm not mean. But I am truthful. And one of the things that helps them grow and become the person that they like to be with. See, isn't it nice to be liked in your own skin? That you actually like your own company. How, how awesome is that? And that's what we're wanting to do. So I'm so glad that you listened today. Thank you so much for doing that. Please remind your friends of the show. And God bless you as you really become the best version of you. Have a great rest of your week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be